The bells rung, and welcome to another edition of the Icon Showdown Podcast. I'm your host, Enan Hennigan, and with me today is the incomparable Josh Kirkland. How are we doing today, Josh? I'm all right. That's what I like to hear. Uh, so welcome, one and all, to the Icon Showdown Podcast. Today we will be dissecting the top two horror films of 2005 and determining a winner. We have The Descent versus The Exorcism of Emily Rose. We're going to break them down in terms of their antagonists, ensemble, surviving characters, settings, and deeper meanings. We're going to allot pentagrams as we go along as well. Have you have you uh, ranked them all already, Josh? I have. Nice. You're better at that than I am. I tend to do that willingly <laughs> as we go along, so I, I appreciate you taking the taking the time to do it prior. Um, so let's go ahead and... I'm sorry, what was that? I said I only have to do it once a week, so it's a lot easier. That's true, versus every day. People are probably so sick of me. Or they just are growing that much more very socially attached. Um, okay, so as we do in this, we like to discuss first the one that came out first, which turns out to be The Descent in July of 2005. Exorcism came out for that more uh, fall release, September 9th. So let's talk about the antagonist in The Descent. What did you think about these little mole people? I, I like the aesthetic. Oh my god, I, yeah. Um, you know, they were very very creepy. Um, there were a lot, you know, they jump out of nowhere every time you know they don't creep up they're just well i don't know they do creep up and they're just there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of jump scares what However, did you think about their motivation oh yeah yeah finish up uh well, motivation you know i mean i guess it makes sense you know they're uh they're uh predators you know they just want to eat whatever Yeah, there's nothing personal there right there's right no sort of like psycho psychological anything it's all just like food 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 no, they're just like animals. It's like fighting a bear. That's what I took it as, yeah. Yeah, to me that makes it a little less scary, to be honest with you, when you don't have any sort of like sentient thought. Are they humanoids? That's the question. Are they people evolved underground? Or are they something else entirely? No, that's what I assumed they were. Um, I assume they're humanoids too, but they do have that vampiric nature about them, and they do only consume meat and blood, because there's not going to be plants underground, right? Maybe so. You need light. Fungus, maybe. Fungus, maybe. Fungus, maybe. That's a good point. Um, okay. Um, and you like the aesthetics. We have these albino mole men, vampiric in nature. Uh, was there any one that stuck out? Did you notice that there was a female version of them? I did see one that I thought was female. Yeah, one is female, which is kind of interesting because when we get to the deeper meanings, we can talk about just gender roles and what's going on because the one girl that takes on the female one could arguably... Uh, what we'd heard of her prior maybe have like LBGT perhaps be a lesbian is what I'm getting at here uh, the <laughs> one that takes on the female so maybe I don't know I might be, I might be stretching as I do um, when we talk about the vocalizations what did you think about how they sounded it was creepy you know I didn't have a, I didn't you know I, I didn't have a problem with that you know I thought it fit the fit the sp- spooky vibe Screechy, howly, snarly. Do you think they have the capacity to talk to one another? Um, it did seem like they had to have been in communication of some sort, you know, because they, they all gathered. What do they do? Via clicks? How are they talking to one another? Um, Grunts? Growls? It, no it, words, it, right? Did they have it, words and we just weren't cognizant of them? Could be. Could be could telepathic be. for all we know. That's true. 
That's not. A, that's actually a really good point. Um, originality, the mole people. Have you seen this before? Not really. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Not certainly in this form. I don't think in 2005, prior to that, I think there was underground civilizations that have been highlighted in films before, but never in this horrific manner. I feel like it, it takes the mole vampire as a whole. That's that's the descent. That's what makes it. I mean, there beyond are, other things, we got a good director here, Neil Marshall, great director. Listed in the credits as crawlers. By crawlers. The way. Interesting. All right, let's start calling them crawlers instead of mole people. That's actually way scarier. <laughs> um, okay, before we rank those, let's go ahead and pop over to our uh, antagonist in Emily Rose. Who is it? Or who are they? Well, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's there's two sides to it, you know, because there's the courtroom aspect, you know, basically the main narrative. But there's also the, you know, the subplot, the story, Emily's story in which, you know, the antagonist, mm -hmm. Probably the devil himself. Well, Lucifer is one of six beings that reside in her. But well, I think it's interesting that you bring up the courtroom because you could argue that the prosecutor could be considered an antagonist. Exactly. Exactly. Um, let me run through the six demons that are in them. Tell me if you've heard of any of these. Cain, Nero, Judas Iscariot, a member of Legion. I'm not sure what that's referring to. Belial and Lucifer himself. You've heard of a lot of those, right? Oh, I assume, I assume Cain is, you know, Cain and Abel, that Cain. Sure. And Jesus, uh, you know, one of the disciples. Mm-hmm. Here's my question. Would Lucifer be willing to share a body? If Lucifer's actually there, one of the six, is he, like, getting his possessive orgy on with five other demons? Isn't Lucifer kind of a big dog and he wouldn't want to share? Why does he need those other five there? Maybe those are just maybe that's the top six, and just maybe just because he's the number one doesn't mean that he's automatically in charge of everything that happens. I don't know. I didn't really think and about that. I, yeah. Plus, she can't be exercised, so maybe they each. It's like this a uh, dream team of demons. You know what I mean? Where ultimately <laughs> they need that sort of combo to actually stay in her because no matter what, she cannot be exercised. Um, what did you think about what we what we see of her when she is possessed? Were you scared the same way? I mean, because you can compare this to The Exorcist too, right? Have you seen The Exorcist? I don't believe so. Okay, fair enough. Um, the Exorcist, I feel like, goes to uh, more horrific lengths in its depiction of a girl under the influence. Captain Howdy is what they call that demon in that one. Were you scared of the way she looked when, when she got uh, her freak on? Uh, it was it was creepy. I, you got to you got to acknowledge though she's already dead at the very beginning of the movie, so you can't be too concerned for what's going to happen to her. So True. that kind of that uh, does take away a lot of the urgency. I think you're onto something there. Yeah, uh, especially when we get to fright factor. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like it wasn't anything new in terms of what we were seeing aesthetically. Typical possessed girl look, darkened around the eyes. You got white pupils at times. The retching, the writhing. Nothing super new in terms of that aesthetic. What about when she, when we have our money moment, when she's in the barn, the only time they actually try to exercise her, they only try it once and fail. Um, the the multiple tongues and, and all the screaming and stuff, did that get to you? Yeah, didn't I wouldn't say it got to me. I mean, I appreciated how, uh, you know, I appreciated the performance. You know, it was, it was pretty creepy. 
we'll talk more about the performance here in a second when we move on to another category. But I want to talk a little bit more about the vocalization that we do see here. Had They argue that ultimately humans have the ability to make two voices at once in the courtroom. Is that something you've ever heard? I've heard of the, uh, what do they call it? The, the Tuvan throat singing. Is that what it, Tuvan? Really? Uh, I've I mean, heard of Because it. ultimately the prosecutor tries to argue that this is not a demon. Humans do have the capacity to have two vocalizations at the same time based on how our uh, biology is. I had never heard that before. I mean, I, I've heard of it. You know, you learn to do it. You go basically uh, scream under a waterfall for days at a time until something happens to your throat. Oh, wow. So you have to, like, manifest that? Usually, yeah. Yeah, it, it has to be developed. Wow. That's kind of cool. Uh, so I kind of, like, learned in a way that I didn't necessarily learn in, in The Descent. So I'll give those an- that antagonists, those six demons, that. They've taught me something. What about the originality, though? Uh, of the of the the demon squad the possessed Emily Rose yeah the squad that's a good way to put it <laughs> um it doesn't seem I mean maybe you know the whole gang of them is a, maybe that hasn't been used before but I agree I think that's what makes it original is the fact that we have multiples in there because the devil and demons possessing people is old hat right yeah yeah absolutely but together as a team to take her down here's a tough question. Could that have actually just been God? If she does become a martyr in the end, could it just be God pretending to be a demon so that he gets people to believe? I mean, if you know, if you believe in an all-powerful God, then of course, you know, he can do he can do whatever whatever he can, wants. Can God control those in hell? Like I said, if you believe in an all-powerful God, then he can do whatever. Well, this is specifically a Catholic God. Can the Catholic sense of God actually take control of those that are in hell, that have fallen? Or are they out of his purview? Mm, I'm not a Catholic, personally. Um, but I, I thought that they do hold the view that God is all-powerful. Yeah, fair. I was raised Catholic, but from my perspective, I feel like if you've fallen and you've denounced God, you're like on your own, but he can't make you do shit you know what i mean i think there is that free will aspect so if you want to go to the dark side that's on you once you've done that he's out of the picture well i mean that would have to be his choice (laughs) true true um okay so let's rank these antagonists uh what are we going to give in terms of the big bad of the descent our mole people i'm sorry our crawlers crawlers well, um, I, I mentioned I, I appreciated the look of them. Their behavior, mm-hmm. on the other hand, was, uh, I don't think it was well executed. Because um, okay. supposedly they're completely blind. They're attacking based on their hearing. And there's so many times in the movie where they'd be, you know, one of the girls would make a noise. And then it's like 10 seconds later, mm-hmm. the, the crawler is somehow able to grab them. Like they're really good at grabbing things that they can't see. Right. Kind of like Um, bat people, right? In a weird way. Because they use that sonic radar to actually find their prey. Maybe. I mean, mean, they they got no intelligence beyond that, I feel like. I think they're more visceral beings, like we talked about. More animalistic. Um, 
And yeah, I'm much more scared by brains than by just pure animal. But you gotta admit, if you were to run in, in that, who would you be more scared of? Running in a, one of these guys or Freddy Krueger? Who would, you know, tell a couple jokes before he stabs you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like if I just hold still... Yeah. Don't make any noise. I can outwit these guys, but that's true. Well, so, what wouldn't. did you give him? I, I gave him a two point five. I gave him a three. I gave him a three. Let's see how it runs down when we get down to it. Uh, what did you give uh, this squad of demons? <laughs> I, I also gave it a two point five. I gave that just a two, but I hadn't really. When I gave him that score, I hadn't thought about the uniqueness of like six and one. I just felt like it was a little unrealistic to have Lucifer there with them. I feel like he's got bigger fish to fry than yeah. like hang out with the other five. Well, um, I did okay. a factor in the you know the prosecutor, the the other side. Oh of- yeah, that's that's a point five in itself. I'll give you that. Uh, fair enough. Uh, let's move on to the ensemble though. Let's talk about the ensemble in the descent. What did you think about these goyles? Um, I. I... I didn't feel like there was a lot of depth of character for most of them. Like it was Only really, two. yeah, two of them. Well, one and a half maybe. Yeah. Um, I, well, the that. sisters immediately have that baked into just being sisters, right? So you care a little bit more about the urgency of one of them dies. You know that other sister is losing a sister. Granted, that's not necessarily character development. It's more of like investing in a character because of stakes. Uh, but I, I agree, Sarah, right? Uh, no, not only one. Not, I'd, I'd say Sarah is the half one. Oh, like, I, I really only consider her interesting because of her backstory and, you know, you know how she handles the ending. Mm-hmm. But like, she, I felt like she was maybe like the had like the least amount of character. Wow. Like, Who was your top dog then? Who's your pure one? Uh, that would be Juno. You know, she, I de- you definitely get a sense of her character. Did you like Juno? Um, not really, <laughs> to be yeah, honest. But I liked Sarah. I mean, ultimately, I think her backstory is really profound when she loses her husband and her daughter to that sort of, like, horrific... Within three minutes, we see her husband and her daughter stabbed by those poles during the car crash. I immediately latched onto her because of that, especially when she wakes up in the hospital and is just distraught, and you see that the was foreshadowing copper. to the darkness. Say it again? That was... That was Copper Pipe that killed them. No, I'm not saying I disliked her, you know. I'm just saying I didn't feel like her character was uh, really fleshed out. Like, that was, like, the big thing was just, you know, her tragic past, Mm -hmm. recent past, really. Um, So you're arguing she deserved to be cheated on? Not at all. Juno was with her husband behind her back. Yes, it's true. If she's boring like that, I mean, you like Juno more. Is Juno going to be more of a demon in the sack sort of thing? What are we talking about here? I never said I. Li- I told you I dislike. I didn't like Juno that much. I just thought Fair, she. But she's fleshier. Yeah, she was more fleshed out. You got. You really get a sense of who she is. Um, whereas Sarah, you don't. I mean, some. You get some, but you don't get a lot. You don't. I mean, but I think that's just you know where she's at in life at that point you know she's withdrawn because of the yeah. tragedy yeah hollowed out a yeah. cave of a person if you will um the rest are pretty underdeveloped like you said who who would you argue is the next kind of uh who's third in line in terms of who we care about 
of them goyles. Maybe Becca. Okay. Or, or Beth, because Beth had a pretty significant role, you know, after she got mauled. Well, is Beth the one that got mauled? I thought Beth was the teacher who gets killed by Juno. Am I wrong about yeah. that? Beth O'Brien, oh, she gets... Yeah, that's, yeah, mauled is probably not the right word. After but she gets... Holly gets mauled. She gets that shoulder bite from one yeah. of the crawlers, which was super horrific. Um, yeah. I, I feel like they gave Holly a little more due, a little more uh, roundedness as a character than maybe the rest of them. She's, she's pretty reckless. She was reckless, but that's good character development. You know what I mean? I feel like I I knew her third best. Maybe I'm crazy. And I, I wasn't necessarily sad to see her go. <laughs> well, she, I, predicted, I predicted that she was going to be the first one to die because she was like Russian, you know, head first. Right. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Um, in terms of the relationship dynamics, we have the sisters. We have the... Um, the betrayed wife and the mistress, ultimately. Did you understand the friendships going on elsewhere in, in terms of Beth as the teacher, Holly um, as their kind of wild friend? Am I missing somebody? I feel like I'm missing one of the girls. That's all of them, right? There's six. There are Sisters, six. There's two sets of two, pretty much. Um, or three sets of two, honest, my bad. To be honest, I had like a hard time keeping track of all of them you know especially because it was dark they were in the dark for most of it and like i, I couldn't i couldn't like distinguish the faces a lot of times I and i had a real hard time like uh picking up on most of their names until deep yeah into i'm with you on that um this is the third time i've seen this movie and i still struggle uh differentiating and definitely needed a little bit of wikipedia help to help me with that um in terms of their acting ability what did you think as the ensemble i thought they were all pretty good pretty good i think is the right way to put it i mean probably i know you didn't love sarah but i feel like she had the most to work with so we got a sense of her acting more than anyone else um but i remember when i first saw it and granted i was probably just in a different mindset i, I really found that the performances were part of what kept me from loving it felt they were middling back in the day i think they're better now watching it uh but mediocre at the best pretty good i think is the right way to put it as you put it no diversity, though, right? Uh, no diversity in in performance? Well, in, you... in terms of casting and the ensemble. Oh, just, yeah. All white girls. Granted, you at least got the one Irish girl who gets killed first. So when we're talking about just United Kingdom white girls, the Irish girl then becomes the stereotypical African-American who gets killed first, yeah. right? Poor <laughs> Irish people are... <laughs> I feel like Juno is like of Asian descent. And oh, you're a, absolutely right. My bad. My bad. Juno's a huge an American accent too, so it's not all. That's true. Uh, European. You're right. We do have a uh, profoundly interesting Asian character, and I know you didn't like her, but like you said, she's the one. I feel well, like she's the most dynamic. Like, and she lies to them all. She's supposed to be friends with everybody, and she right. tells them they're going to a different cave than they actually go to. She's interesting, and in a way, she is sort of an antagonist herself. I mean, I like her presence, but I don't, I don't like her as a person. I guess. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, when we talk about the ensemble for exorcism, what do you think? Character development wise, uh, pretty good. I, I, I really liked everybody. Everybody doing what they did. 
I thought most of them were developed with the exception of maybe Emily. I wanted to see more of Emily care more about her dying and being possessed. I feel like we mostly see her when she is possessed, so we don't really get a sense of who she is with the exception of maybe one and a half scenes where they give her a little bit of backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, the two lawyers, I love the dynamic between them. The priest and Bruner, Laura Linney, awesome dynamic too. She's willing to pretty much put her job on the line for him because he's so compelling. Uh, but I wanted an, I wanted to see more of Emily. Did you feel like you gave a shit about Emily? Um, no, I, I agree. I agree with where you're coming from. They didn't really give her much other than the possession. Um, yeah. I mean, even, yeah. I mean, you, you, it would have been nice if, like, even while she was, you know, going through all that, if she could have been, like, telling some, like telling her, you know, her boyfriend about it or or, or whatever, you know? They, they just didn't really even... Uh... Or even her sisters, right? Or even her mom. Like, even though we have these peripheral characters in her family, we don't really get to see them interact with the exception of, oh, you got a free ride to the college? Good for you. Other than that, we don't get any sense of how she related with her family. And when they talk about her being such a devout character, I wanted to see more of that because I think by leaving that out, it made it more, I mean, I guess it's good in that it made it more ambiguous whether or not she was full of shit and just trying to get attention or whether she was actually possessed. But I was dissatisfied with my sense of Emily. I was latching onto what I knew about her in Dexter to try and make that character more fleshed out, you know? (laughs) No, I agree. I agree for sure. Um, Acting ability? I mean, she did the possession scenes pretty pretty well. I liked her better in this than I did in at least the first few seasons of Dexter, where I felt she was the weak link in Dexter. But in this, when she's possessed, I think she does a great job. And the rest of them are like A-list all-stars. Certainly Tom Wilkinson and uh, Laura Linney. Can't go wrong with them. I hadn't seen this one before, had you? I had not. Nor had I, but a lot of people had told me to see it, so I'm glad I have. Um, and we had talked about whether or not this can be considered horror, but I, I would ultimately say if exorcism is horror, why wouldn't this be? Where else would you put it in the blockbuster video, right? I mean, it could be dual genre. True. I just think when you do stark genre dif- differentiation, when you're thinking about a video store, it goes in horror, no? I mean, I guess it depends on the layout of the store. That's fair. Or the manager. That's a good point. Um, diversity? Nope, right? I don't I don't think there's... I mean, maybe in the jury? I didn't see any people of color. Any sort of LGBT, anything going on there. True. Okay, like- let's grade them. What do you give in the ensemble for The Descent, pentagrams-wise? Uh, I gave it a 2.5. That's exactly what I gave it. We're right on the same page there. What did you give the ensemble of Exorcism? Uh, I wrote three, but I gave it a three point five. I might want to change it to a three point five. I'm I'm not sure. The only weak link is maybe Jennifer Carpenter, who's our Emily, but she does the best I've probably ever seen her in this movie. So, you know, um, it's not a four because it's not one of those casts that you just remember forever. But everyone does well with what they're given. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, let's move uh, to surviving characters. Who lives in the descent? Sarah. Does she? Have you heard that there is multiple endings for this and only in the U.S. does she survive? When it was released in Europe and Asia, she's stuck in the cave. 
Well, you know, the uh, it seemed like she might have been in the cave in the version that I watched. Especially because she pulls over at the end, and then she looks to her right, and there's like the ghost of Juno. So is this all a fantasy? That's pretty much what they um, frame it as within the alternate version. That's her escape is all a fantasy because you got to admit that's a beautiful shot of her crawling up, getting like born, reborn. Ultimately, when we talk about deeper meanings. We'll go there. Reborn, crawling out, and there's life again, and then driving like crazy with uh, her car, only to pull over and cry because. Is this all a fantasy? Do you think she escaped? Um, I, I don't know, because because immediately following that, I, I don't know. Maybe the version you watched was different, but immediately following that, there was a scene where she kind of like looks like she's regaining consciousness, like on the floor in the dark, and there's her daughter with the birthday cake again. You watched the European version. I watched the U.S. version, so you saw that alternate ending. Um, that I ultimately didn't. It ends with her looking at Juno in the car in mine on the street. That's where it ends in the U.S. version. You saw okay. the European version where then, boom, flashback to the cave. She's fantasizing. There's her daughter, and she's about to be killed by the crawlers, right? Uh, it seemed like that could have been it. I don't know. It didn't seem like the same cave. It okay. uh, it looked kind of like a, a void almost. But it could Let's- have been run with the u.s version let's say that she escaped and it doesn't go back to that because in the u.s they did not release her going back and seeing the birthday cake with her daughter we did not see that version in the u.s when i saw it in the theater i did not see that i've only seen that subsequently online let's say that she escaped did she have that determination to survive and how was that manifested i mean obviously because she did it she had the determination but she had she wouldn't have done it unless she did one specific thing, which I think makes her badass and gives her some bonus points as a surviving character. I'm talking about where she uh, breaks <laughs> Juno's leg and yes, she hobbles Juno, leaves her as bait. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Juno had stabbed Beth in the throat with the pickaxe, right? Well, Beth hadn't died entirely, so we have Sarah finding Beth on her last breaths showing her oh look this is what she had on her this was given to juno by your husband and it had some little romantic saying on it i can't remember the top of my head right now but it like validified for her that, oh shit juno was having an affair with my husband so she was able to get back for that and also enable herself to survive so when we're talking about surviving characters sarah wanted to live i feel like well, obviously, <laughs> obviously she wanted to live. She got Less out. Less than Juno, because Juno almost at that point gave up and is willing to fight them. She looks back and she's got all these crawlers coming at her. But why didn't she just try and like hobble with Sarah at that point? She didn't seem like seem like she gave up then. I I don't know. I think Juno is a victim of her own ego, and maybe she just got in uh, like kill mode and she hmm. um, was more concerned. You know, it didn't become about escaping to her it was about killing as many of these yeah. things good that could be she's become she an animal the, herself and i got the bloodlust i could see that especially she's because she killed a friend beth do you think that was an accident it looked like i mean i don't know it but it looked like one somebody's like swinging a, a pick at a creature yeah. and you just like get you stay back you know you stay back right. you don't walk up behind them Seemed like yeah. that. It did seem like an accident, but the way yeah, Juno I think so too. after that, 
I don't uh, want to hate on Juno too much, you know. Um, yeah, I think it's an accident too. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do her like that. Iconic status though of Sarah. Do you think she's a final girl that people are gonna remember? Assuming you just look at the U.S. version, she escapes. Is she an so, iconic final girl. Somewhat, but not not strongly. I'm kind of with you there. Uh, I think she's up there, but I don't know the actress well enough. I think if it had a little more cachet in terms of who the actress was, that might have helped make her more iconic. And I think uh, that hurt the potential for her to like live on. I don't know if I've seen that girl in anything else. That's a problem for me. And at the time that I initially saw it, I didn't wasn't able to differentiate between the girls, so I wasn't like really rooting for her as a final girl because I was I was struggling between all these you know white girls. And you know, you know. Um, okay, let's talk about the surviving characters in Exorcism. Who lives? I, like everybody, <laughs> <laughs> except Emily. Emily okay. is toast. She does ultimately get taken over by the squad of demons, um, ultimately to try and become a martyr because she does have the opportunity to at least die without the extra suffering. What do you think about that moment? Did she actually see the Virgin Mary? I mean, this is based on real events. True. So I'm yeah, going to say, that up. I'm gonna have to say no. <laughs> oh, you don't believe in the Virgin Mary? Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, when we talk about surviving characters in such a theological sense, in theory, she's going to live on forever because she's become this martyr character, right? She's going to become a saint, according to the priest. So in a, in a deeper sense, she is immortalized via via her death yeah um, that's kind of how i looked at it when i when i ranked it is uh just like her legacy or whatever right it's like supreme sort of surviving character but as you said i am not a religious man either so it's a little hard pill to swallow determination to survive what did you think did you want to live this one's easy i mean she's i mean they did have a scene where she said she wanted to stay in the, her body and suffer but she's still gonna die she still knows she's gonna die though it's like suffer longer so that your death can be more meaningful i thought she didn't value her life as emily rose herself and then she became more of a conduit for perpetuating religion than she ever cared about her own life mm, well i don't know i mean you choose to i mean based on that one choice based on that one scene live or die she chose to live at least for the time being that's I don't, a I don't point. think that's uh, i don't know live in pain and torment but yeah i mean yeah if you look at it that way but i think the, the mother mary made it clear that you're going to suffer more and you're ultimately still going to be croaking soon because that's the sense i got from that scene okay is is like is jennifer carter here is emily rose an iconic final girl kind of yeah a little bit in, in the theological sense that she does become kind of a martyr and supposedly this is based on a real story and there's not a lot of like, modern day martyrdom stories and this is one of them so you got to give it that let's rank them what did you give descent in terms of surviving characters uh 2.5 me too me too we keep doing these uh the same on the descent it seems but we kind of diverge here on exorcism what'd you give it pentagrams wise give it two I got a 1.5. I definitely ranked it a little bit lower. Um, let's move on to settings. Come on. The Descent setting is amazing, right? Pretty good. Pretty good. 
first we have the whitewater rafting stuff and then the cabins are pretty fun in themselves we get to see multiple cabins and even juno just like running around that neck of the woods um and then of course is there anything any other film you can think of even beyond the horror genre that does caves as well as this one um what about the abyss even though it's underwater isn't it underwater caves it's pretty cool true true Uh, yeah Um, Belunking wise, um, I don't think anything compares. I think that's the strong point of the whole movie. It's scary to me. This caves themselves, the claustrophobic nature of them, is scarier than our crawlers. It's like being buried alive. It's like being dead. Right? You're living an afterlife down there in a weird way because we all get more burned or buried. Right? So they're kind of like living an afterlife by being down there. I feel like there's a lot of additional uh, metaphoric layers going on there. Yeah. What about the aesthetic? Did you like the way that they they uh, like lit the caves and shot them shots? I liked it for the most part. Uh, my only complaint it was a, it was a little dark. Yeah. Just like couldn't tell who was who a lot of the time. That's fair. I think if they had a more diverse cast, that would have been easier. Well, true. Um, and, but considering that it was filmed in a studio, I do think they did well with these vast, huge caves. Um, I looked it up a little bit, and apparently they used the same rocks and just reoriented them to make it look like they were in different caves at different times. So I feel like their utilization of space was really strong. And to me, again, getting stuck underground, that is, that's just about as scary as it gets. Without the monsters itself, just that setting, as noted. Um, and in uniqueness, you got to give it uniqueness. Yes, you're absolutely right. The abyss touches on similar sort of uh, landscapes or waterscapes in that case. But it's super unique. Is anybody else going to tackle caves with crawlers? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't think of a, you know, a close example or a close compa- can't think of a. Do you think it could be remade and better? That's the question. Is it worth a remake? Because we're talking about 2005 here, 14 years ago. Would they ever bother with that? Is there a reason yeah. to remake this one? Not a big fan of remakes in general. Yeah, but I th- I think it could have been made better. I think it could okay. do better. Just mostly the the crawler aspect. Like if if they were uh, if they weren't so good at grabbing, you know, it's just just for being blind and like the you know supposed their supposed way that they hunt. They can't smell. They can't see. Could they not smell? I missed that part. They can't smell. Well, whenever there there was a crawler like. When I think it was Becca and um, Sam, yeah, were like huddled up, and mm-hmm. the crawler like leans over them, and is like trying to find them, and like leans in and like sniffs them, right, and couldn't you know couldn't tell that that's prey. That's right there. true. Only only thing I'm going to defend in that is they were so close to like the land of carcasses and their like little hub of the dead bodies that maybe that smell itself is so overwhelming that they're not going to be able to tell one body from the other. Holly's recently been killed there. You got her live dead body there. Um, but yeah, the fact that they're trying to sniff, to me, suggests maybe they can smell. But you're right, it was a little weird. But frankly, when we get to Fright Factor, that was my scariest scene. <laughs> um, let's talk about the setting within Exorcism. What did you think? Uh, it, it wasn't bad, you know. I mean, I I, I liked uh, Emily's, you know, where her, where her family lived. I liked... Um, the, yeah. like the woods where she walked out in the woods and it's, and it's like mm. all fun. like 
from the poster. That was cool. That's a good point. Uh, I forgot about I, that one. Yeah. I do like courtroom dramas, you know, I, 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 that's always welcome to me, like courtroom scenes. I thought that was actually the strongest part about it was we have a horror movie that's playing out in a courtroom. You know what I mean? That ultimately is validifying or nullifying whether or not these sort of entities, spirits, demons can exist. Is the, it, it kind of to me when we get into deeper meanings is more like this big metaphor for why do people buy into horror as a whole? Do people believe there are these dark entities out there that could theoretically scare us because if people were really freaking like atheistic or non-theistic or even agnostic to a degree and they could not buy into that stuff horror ceases to like be scary unless it's serial killers you know what i mean any sort of supernatural i feel like it was almost arguing for the validity of the supernatural being worth scared for you know and i'm putting it not not eloquently here but does that make sense to you yeah, it does. Uh, I hadn't I had not considered that point, but that that's that's a good point. I'm jumping ahead, obviously, to deeper meanings, but uh, let's let's give it the pentagrams here for settings. I I'm sorry, but I gave a four to Descent. What'd you give? I, I gave it a three, but because of the lighting, I think that's fair. <laughs> and settings for Exorcism. Uh, I only give that a two. Give it a two point five. We have a front runner as it is, so let's dip into those final two fun categories. Uh, the descent. Did you see anything deeper going on there? Deeper meanings. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. What's happening? Um, just like the whole um, Juno affair thing, the whole um, overcoming tragedy. You know, to be the mm-hmm. only. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, Sarah. Once again, you know, everyone like is surrounded by death, and she's the one who emerges. Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the nose in terms of I think it really does interesting stuff with friendship and like, can you trust certain people? Um, and I think girl dynamic that's going on there and there might be a little more, I guess, paranoia. Um, interestingly, um, regret and loss, obviously, I feel like the cave is a metaphor for that pain and sorrow. Um, of losing her husband and more probably profoundly her daughter. It it kind of is like this uh, spatial metaphor for her womb, right? Her empty womb, her daughter's dead. Does she want to procreate again? Is this representation of, um, fuck, I don't want to ever love again because I'm going to be hollowed out potentially like I am here. Like she's that cave, I feel like, Sarah. Um, And then, of course, as I mentioned before, just being reborn through trauma. You become somebody else through horrific experiences. When she breaks through into that wooded scene, uh, into the wooded area, I feel like she is reborn herself. She might be able to move beyond that loss by by escaping. Granted, the, the version you saw makes it seem like there's no escape from that. But I, 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 that. I don't know. I took it that to mean maybe that was just like a mental thing. Like maybe that just means she's going <laughs> to... You have even more vivid hallucinations to interfere with day-to-day life. Yeah, that could be. Uh, Commentary on the Times, something I looked up, was it does appear that the uh, launch of the unmanned Cosmos failed. So in 2005, NASA launched Cosmos, um, and it was an instance where they're trying to explore, and it ends up failing right so you have that same sort of thing going on in the descent 
And just in terms of geology, there was an earthquake in Iran that year of 6.4 that killed 500 people, 1,000 injured. So Earth is a mother. Let's put it that way. Shia oh. is not messing around. Um, is you, did you have any, what do you think about the lasting impact? You'd heard of the descent? I, I felt like I had rented it at one point, but I must not have watched all of it or cause, cause it, I don't, I didn't remember any of it. Like, so okay. I must, must not have actually gone through with it and watched the whole thing. I might've turned it off early on cause I was tired. That's of not a good sign. That's not good for lasting impact. Uh, but I feel like it got a lot of love when it first came out and people really don't talk about it as much now as they do some other films. Um, it continues to resonate to a, a lesser degree and only like horror, horror fanatics. I, I think there was sequels, but I think it really boils down to there's no iconic character to latch on to to build the series further. In that terms, lasting impact's a problem for me. Personal connections? You said you rented it. Anything else? No, I don't think I. I don't know. I, I, I feel I thought I did, but maybe I was thinking of something else. I don't know. But personally, I, I, not particularly. I remember seeing it at the Savoy Theater in Champaign, Illinois, and being really excited to see it. And granted, this is 14 years ago, and I had a different brain then. Um, but I was disappointed at the time. I remember thinking it was going to be super awesome and not enjoying it as much as I did. And perhaps that was a time that I couldn't really like invest in female characters like I can now or something. Or like you noted, one of the main issues with differentiating these characters. And maybe I just couldn't really invest and didn't care when people got killed. I've seen it twice since then, and I will say that it is growing on me considerably. And I'm going to keep it in my repertoire uh, down the line. Another five, six years, I think I would watch it again because I do feel like that setting alone and the deeper meanings involved are worth a shit ton. Um, let's talk about the deeper meanings in Emily. What's going on there? Um, I didn't really get as much from it, you know? I mean, you know, obviously there's the religious aspect of it it didn't make you a believer i don't think it's going to change anybody's beliefs it's not going to change my beliefs but i liked her argument and i gotta say that i would be in that same ultimately the position is he gets deemed guilty but only time served because they still kind of like feel for that belief you know I think it's really interesting the way that they play with the just the division of church and state. And if you were to say that this guy is innocent, ultimately you're bleeding those lines of church and state. So this is kind of like the only out. He's guilty, but time served. So he gets to leave. He doesn't he doesn't get imprisoned further. It's like this kind of to me, it's mostly about how to traverse the tricky terrain of believers and those that are more rooted in reality right and in trying to get along with them and trying to live uh, to coexist with people that do have this kind of really to, to us maybe obscene belief system um and certainly the fallibility of man our inability to really know what is truth and fiction mental health versus religious zealotry a lot of people that uh, are non-theistic like me think anyone that believes in a specific doctrine is had, does have mental issues, you know what I mean? To believe in something like that, where, where do you stand on that? I mean, the whole. I, see, I was raised with, uh, you know, religious beliefs, but not, not like that. Like if we, you know, if we, you know, if my family, we heard like, oh, this person's possessed, 
probably wouldn't buy into that. Probably probably would lean toward more towards, you know, being mental Fair. disorder, something like that. Um, so yeah, I've never never really bought into any anything like possession or. But think about all the people out there that do, because the majority of people are theistic, right? So in terms of scare factors, you got to acknowledge the fact that people that do believe in this stuff, I feel like are going to be much, much more impacted than you or, you or me, right? No I, I could see this being way scarier for someone outside of us, whereas mole people could exist. And to me, that's scarier probably because there could be people under the ground that just want to eat me. And that's scarier just because death. This, I think, would be scarier for people who believe in that afterlife and that the soul lives on and that there is that spirit realm because mental health or not, that that to them is real. And sure, sure. Death to them is less scary than the idea of being uh, ruined or uh, prevented from going to heaven or whatever the hell, you know? Any personal connections to this one? You did mention your family was, was religious and there is that impact there, right? slightly i mean i don't know i don't think anybody in my family would buy into this <laughs> fair enough fair enough um and i the only personal connection i have is i had a really close friend named emily rose um really close friend so she actually did seem a little possessed at times so <laughs> i think i might have avoided seeing this to begin with because of that um nevertheless let's go ahead and pentagram them up what did you give descent I gave it a three point five because I did pick Damn. up on deep meanings, deeper. That's meanings. hardy. Did I gave it a three, but I also gave exorcism a three, considering the masses and how this sort of thing scares them more than me. Because we're talking about iconic, right? So we're talking about what is going to be the most iconic to most people. I, I gave them both a three. I, I gave uh, gave Emily Rose a two. And that's fair. I think that's a little more personal. You're being a little less objective, maybe there, as that's I know my my aunt, who's very religious, thinks The Exorcist is the scariest movie ever made. The initial Exorcist. So when I take that into account, I feel like there are going to be those people that are just like plotting themselves because of this movie. Um, so let's go there then. Let's go to the fright factor. Um, in terms of kill counts, we have 15 in the descent, including the humanoid crawlers. We only have two in Emily. Um, obviously, Emily, you remember who the other kill was? Um, it was I don't remember his name. It was a doctor who was yeah, it was the doctor who was supposed to pretty much validate what the priest was saying, even though he's a man of science. Um, did were you impressed with either of the way they were killed? In Emily, in Emily, mm, I mean, they didn't really. Did they show the doctor's death? They just... Yeah, he gets hit by a car. Oh, I don't. I must have missed. That. <laughs> must have blinked or something. He didn't show up to court. Laura Linney's Bruner, um, the lawyer Bruner, tracks him down. Why the hell aren't you? Why didn't you show up? And he's like, I believe it all. Tell the priest I'm sorry. There's definitely demons. And then he goes to run away and gets hit by a car immediately. I felt like that was a problem for me because it was too easy. Um, that being said, let's talk more specifically about the quality of kills in the descent. What did you think about what was going on there in terms of bloody mayhem? Um, it, it was it was good. It was uh, awesome, action packed. Hell yeah! Um, I, they were all pretty graphic, with the exception of maybe like the the one like foot stomp of one of the humanoids where you don't see the head getting crushed in or whatever. 
most of the girls get a good death, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Juno killing Beth, as we talked about before, is great. Holly getting that shoulder bite was amazing. Sam, when she's trying to crawl across the chasm, getting her, her neck sliced by one of the crawlers. Uh, uh, I love that. While she's like hanging there and her sister's watching, that was affecting to me. Even though we didn't really care about these characters as much, just knowing that their sisters, the sister watching the other sister die, that was impacting for me. What about yep. the music and sound design in Descent? Did you notice anything? Didn't really stand out, which means it was probably well done. Ah, that's a good way to put it. That's usually not the way I think of it. I like to remember it. Um, but after kind of like, this is the third time I was paying more attention to it. It's super, it's super epic. They're, they're, especially when they're first going into the cave, there's this sweeping score that I really, really respect. Um, I think I think it did well. It certainly is more iconic in terms of music and sound design than Emily was. What to you was your favorite part of the sound in Emily? Mm. I mean, the only thing that's memorable to, memorable to me is like the demon voices. Exactly. That's exactly what I put too. And, and as we talked about the idea of humans having this dual voice that I had no idea about, and of course, her speaking in tongues. That was that was interesting. And it's affecting to play that recorder in court, too. I thought that was that was a good sound moment for the movie. But in terms of music, I didn't really notice anything. Yeah, I noticed that a little bit more. Um, mainly, like, when she was, like, um, when she would see the, like, the whatever was going on at the window with the faces and the fog. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like some kind of creepy score happening that's true we didn't get, we didn't big up uh emily enough in terms of what she started to see in her hallucinations with like the black blood coming from people's eyes when she's running away um from the classroom when she's first starting or she had succumbed to it in the hospital to the demons and now they're showing her all these horrific visions in actual people that's pretty scary no give you a little fright the way it was done i felt like it was effective i mean yeah, it was it was well done I mean, I don't know. I, I, I keep I keep using the word creepy, but I think that's how I'd like to. That's, that's how fair. I describe it because it's, it's not like uh, it's, it's you know. There's definitely a response to it, but it's not like uh, it doesn't make my heart race or anything like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's wrap 2005 up. Tell me scariest scene in each. Um. Well, I feel like there were a lot of jump scares in the descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, where just where there would be a crawler that you don't expect. Um, I definitely jumped a couple times, so I would say that's probably what actually scared me the most. I think the first time we see it when ultimately Sarah breaks off after she's reminded of her husband and she has her little moment alone and she uses the flashlight and sees sees the creature, the crawler, for the first time by herself. To me, that was probably the scariest moment before it's even attacking them yet. Granted, we get like a silhouette of it prior, but just Sarah on her own after lamenting the loss of her family, then seeing that and trying to convince them. This is after Holly had fallen and broken her leg, and people are so preoccupied with Holly having broken her leg that they don't really pay attention to what she's talking about, and she's just not yeah. listened to. To me, that's scary. When, when, you, when you know something and people aren't listening to you, and what you saw was actually like legit freaky, uh, that got me. It's far away, though. It like was. all, all the scenes that made me jump is like there was one just like right there, like, full, like full frame. Fair enough. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I like a little subtle scares. And of course, in Emily, really the only super scary moment is when they're in the bar and the horses freak out and she's got all these voices going on when they yeah, exercise her. Well, there, there was a part where she was like being sucked into the bed was kind of... Kind of good. The, only the suck into the bed. The rest was cliche, but her getting... But, yeah, it didn't compare. Trust in the bed was cool. That definitely yeah. was cool. Um, let's go ahead and give our final pentagrams out. Fright Factor for Descent. Gave it a solid three. As did I. Fright Factor for Rose. Gave it a 1.5. Ouch! That's pain right there. I give it a two, so I'm not that far off. Did you <laughs> add them all up? What do you got for the totality? Um, I mean, my score doesn't reflect how much I actually liked Emily Rose. I liked the, I liked that movie better, but it did not win. Uh, in terms of iconic horror. In terms of iconic horror. I agree with you. I have 18 to 15.5. So the bell has rung, ladies and gentlemen. The most iconic horror of 2005 is The Descent. While we might have issues with character development in... All you can't deny, we got some freaky ass monsters, we got some beautiful ass set. It is a scarier movie than Emily Rose, especially if you are not a religious person. So, as the most iconic horror movie of the year, we are going to go ahead and say that that is The Descent. It has officially won. Josh, I want to thank you for being part of this podcast as you've done now for the third time. How are you feeling about it? Are you enjoying talking about horror movies? Yeah, you know, I like movies, but it's nice to have an excuse. Or like a reason to watch movies because I don't, I don't really watch a whole lot unless I have a reason. So it's nice. What do you think, do you think November's theme should be? If this was mainstream horror for October, given the Halloween, where is a movie fan? Where, where should it go next? Mm, holiday films? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like December might be better for holiday films, but I do feel like it's going to be harder to get my bros and broettes to watch holiday films like I'm getting them to watch horror films. Um, but... November? I don't know. I'm thinking about sci-fi, but maybe not every day. I think sci-fi might be fun for November because it's getting cold, right? Oftentimes you're going off into space, which is cold. I don't know. <laughs> Nevertheless, how do people follow you on social media? What do you got cooking in the works? What's what's in the works now? How do people no, get more Kirkland? Um, you just got to get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, check out our music at Compudactyl.com. Uh, fresh album out there. And um, if you want to support the podcast... Go ahead and hit me up at uh, parasociable.com. That's P-A-R-A-S-O-C-I-A-B-L-E.com. There you'll find all sorts of stuff, including horror comedy shorts, music, as well as my novel, book of poetry, all sorts of jazz. So go ahead and check that out. And um, until the next time, as they say in the business, the bell has rung.